Welcome to Family First, the wild world of marketing to parents. My name is Mark Giovino, CEO and founder at The Alliance Group. I'd like to welcome Ian Goldberg to this episode of Family First. Ian is the founder and CEO at iSport360, where he's on a mission to change the culture of youth sports. He's also a board member at the National Alliance for Youth Sports, providing invaluable thought leadership and providing perspective on using technology to create better youth sports experiences for kids, coaches, and sports parents. Fun fact, he served as a staff assistant and intern at the White House while he was in school at George Washington University. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. And thanks for sharing the fun fact. Let's start <laughs> with family first. Tell us about your family, how many kids and, and what are their ages and maybe some of the activities they enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a dad of two teenage daughters. I have an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old. Uh, my wife and I, who are both New Jersey natives, are raising them here in suburban New Jersey. And we are a very big sports family. Um, not just my wife and I, but also both of my girls play uh, soccer, basketball, track, uh, flag football, you name it. And I've pretty much coached them in almost all of those sports, too. And how has parenthood influenced your perspective as both an entrepreneur and as a coach, as you just mentioned? Oh, well, it's hard to be the coach and be a sports parent on the team at the same time. On the one hand, it makes it very easy to understand the crazy sports parents that you may have to deal with. But on the other hand, it also uh, can be a point of contention when you're the coach of the team and you know you want to make sure that every single parent is happy with the experience their kids are having. And then as an entrepreneur, I'm sure we'll share a little bit during the course of this pod, but I started a company as a result of my sports parenting and volunteer coaching experience, and that's iSport360. Yeah, tell us more about iSport360, <clears throat> and as you just alluded, the inspiration, which sounds like it's very much a part of coaching your kids, but tell us more about the story and, and how it all got started. So I started coaching my girls well when my older daughter was about four years old. And I very quickly realized that I spent more of my time managing the parents on the team than I did managing the kids on the team. And I really felt like we could just do a better job of communicating and collaborating um, between coaches, parents, and players. And if all three are working together, which doesn't happen nearly enough, I think the child has a much better sports experience. So I created iSport360 to help with that communication, collaboration, and organization. And that means that on our unique platform, coaches and players are sharing feedback and sharing and tracking progress and sharing training videos and practice assignments. So it really just focuses on making sure every player and every coach has a great season. Is it fair to say that it, it's as helpful to manage expectations on the behalf of parents? It's really central to offering value to the coach with those training videos, but is, is that fair to position it and, and say that? You hit the nail right on the head because when I started coaching, I noticed, especially in soccer, every parent just wants to see their kids score goals. They don't care about any other expectation the coach might have. But as a coach, I knew I wanted to see every player improve their dribbling skills, their passing skills, their field awareness. So that's what I was looking for in the players, but the parents were just looking for goals. So I realized if I can create an app 
that actually sets some goals and expectations and helps parents and coaches see things through the same lens, you will have a great relationship and a great season. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I would imagine it, it, it may be, and this might be more indirectly, but it might give them a voice as well. And sometimes I suspect parents, and I'm a youth coach as well, so I, I've, I have experience, much like yourself, that they just want to be heard. They may have played to a JV high school level, but but all of a sudden they have, have the answers when it comes to coaching. D does your platform, and maybe less of a voice, but more of a, a line of sight into what the coach is, is doing to maybe recognize, oh, wow, there really is a sophistication that goes behind what these coaches are teaching our kids. Yeah, line of sight is the exact right phrase. I want parents to have a line of sight into how their kids are doing and what their kids are doing, but I don't necessarily think they need more of a voice. I mean, sports parents have a very loud voice on, on the teams, as you know, especially when they're disenchanted or, or unhappy with something the coach is doing. So it's more of like a passive voice because when parents have a line of sight and they know how their kids are doing and what their kids are doing, it helps them sit on the sidelines, enjoy the game, enjoy their cup of coffee and sort of uh, take things down a notch and just relax. And that's part of the goal of what we're doing. Who ultimately is the primary user in addition to the parents? Do you focus on your growth model with youth leagues, with teams or coaches individually, or maybe a bit of all of the above? Yeah, it is all of the above. We work with organizations and we work with individual teams. It's usually the coach that's using most of the features just because they sort of take the initiative and start the process. We work with mostly travel programs. About 65% of the teams on our platform are travel programs. And you know, when parents are spending that much money for a travel program, they have a certain set of expectations of what they want their child to get out of that season. And so expectations are high and stakes are high and, and, you know, costs are high. And have you found any one sport that seems to have taken to the platform more than others? You'd mentioned coaching soccer. Is, is there a diversity of sport or have you found there being more of a specialization? Well, soccer is where we started because if you think about baseball, parents can watch their child play in a baseball game and they can tell whether their child had a great game or not. If their child got a few hits, made some you know plays in the outfield, they know their child had a good day. In soccer, in a lot of cases, it's an hour or an hour and a half with maybe just a handful of goals. And so parents watching don't necessarily know if coach thought that their child played well today. And that's why we had to start with soccer so that parents can really understand what coach is looking for and how coach is evaluating their child's progress and make sure they're just all on the same page. Can you share more about what makes sports parents unique, which is a very kind way of asking how crazy are sports parents out there? Hmm. Yeah, well, I can admit that I'm a reformed sports parent. When I first started, I didn't have as much patience. I did not have as much discipline. I was not as communicative as I am today, but Yes, we are all crazy, and that's because we are wired to be very protective of our children, whether we're coaching them or whether we're sitting on the sideline watching them. So when we talk about crazy sports parents, it's because physiologically and psychologically, we are wired to protect our kids. Uh, but that being said, 
very few sports parents realize that they are the crazy ones when it's happening in the moment. And that's something that makes them unique. But we've done a lot of studies on the physiology and psychology of sports parents to help understand why they say the things they do, why they behave the way they do on the sidelines. And it is really unique in that moment. I mean, they're just parents like any other parents, but in that moment during the game, you know they are a very unique bunch. Curious to know what you found as to the why, whether whether positive or however constructive. is. It, what were some of the underlying findings or maybe an insight you found interesting to not justify their behavior, but perhaps lift the hood up a little bit to really get to know what's behind the behavior? Yes. So the first thing that was very interesting to find out, I thought... So, you know, I'm a Gen, I'm a Gen X parent, just like you. And I thought we were the first generation of helicopter parents and crazy parents. It turns out that there's an ancient Chinese saying that talks about how a parent, when they're teaching their child a new skill, something new, sometimes that parent can become the stumbling block before their child. And I think that's very similar to what we have today. We have sports parents just hammering their kids with suggestions and ideas and criticisms. And sometimes that becomes the stumbling block. We have to let our kids have a lot more independence, even at an early age, to find their way, find what they love and find their own journey. So that was interesting to learn. The second thing is I also learned through interviews with psychologists, we learned that most parents on the sidelines of a youth sports game are in fight or flight mode. You know what I'm talking about. When your cortisol and your stress levels are super high, it's when you're acting, you're not thinking a whole lot. And we've found that that's when parents lose control of their mouths, their actions, their words, because they are acting before they're thinking. And so even a a friend from the neighborhood who might be the most likable, friendly person day to day, when they get to the field, sometimes they're just doing things that you can't believe. So those are the two biggest findings that we've learned about this group. I would imagine because they're adrenaline in that moment, they can't, because they can't affect the game physically, like the athletes, the players, their kids on the field of play or on the court, the only way for them to think, maybe like that crazy professional sports fan that is yelling during the game, thinking they're affecting the outcome, they think that verbal is the only way, which in fact, it's counterproductive to your point. So it's interesting. You're exactly right. It's counterproductive. And the truth is, what's really at stake in that eight-year-old little league game? Like, this is where I encourage sports parents to be, just enjoy the time watching your child. If they make a mistake, if they lose the game, what is at stake? You know? So that's really important to think about, to sort of temper down the behavior. I mentioned at the introduction, your mission to change the culture of youth sports. And I think what you've done with your newsletter is a really big step to that end, in addition to to, to the platform you have. Can you talk more about the newsletter and, and what it covers and, and who it's for? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. It's something I'm proud of because I started the newsletter just to share some perspective with sports parents and other coaches who may have been experiencing some of the challenges I did. 
And so I personally was writing all the articles at the beginning, and I would write articles about better sideline behavior, but also things like how to keep your athlete properly hydrated and how to get them protein and how to prepare them mentally for the game. But then eventually I started getting contributors with other perspectives, professional athletes, professional coaches, psychologists, educators to write articles. And we grew it organically to 220,000 readers. And just over the course of the last couple of months, we've done some syndication deals where this newsletter is going to be reaching 10 million subscribers in the next month. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Now that must open up an incredible opportunity when we think about youth sports sponsorship or engaging youth sports parents in a different way. What a great platform for brands, for sponsors to engage with. Can you talk to us more about maybe which brands would benefit the most or have you started to integrate brands into the newsletter and what that looks like? Yeah. So candidly, Mark, this is this was a bit of a surprise. I mean, we're a software company, but for the newsletter to take off and open up opportunities like this, it's been amazing. And so we realized as we looked around for advertisers and brands who are trying to reach parents, there's really not much in the youth sports space. Certainly like the local pizza joint can sponsor a team and get their logo on a jersey or maybe have their um, logo on a sign at the fields. But to reach sports parents and mass, there's really, there's really not many options today. So I reached out to just the biggest brands that I love as a sports parent. You know, in my house, we wear like a lot of fitness gear, fitness wear, because um, we're always working out or playing sports. So we reached out to Lulu and Aloe Yoga and Athleta. We reached out to Annie's Organic because healthy foods would be perfect to reach this audience. We reached out to some travel companies. Marriott is advertising in our newsletter now because they want every sports family to stay at a courtyard by Marriott or a residence in when they're traveling for tournaments or for personal. So yeah, it's been extremely exciting to start reaching out to these big brands who have big budgets and ambition. And we're kind of new to this space, but it's been great learning from them and opening up these doors. And is it fair to assume that uh, what this offers at its core is branded content, really the brand sitting right alongside, if not contributing valuable content when it comes to travel and you know, hydrating, as you mentioned, as an example earlier, is, is that the positioning? That's correct. So we, all of the advertisers we're speaking to right now, we have said to them, we are not just going to run ads in our newsletter. We are always going to combine that with branded content. So there's, there's relevance. So people, you know, if they're reading about how do you fuel up for a game when you're on the road at a tournament, that's right when we're going to show them the ad from Marriott that says you get a free breakfast when you stay at Courtyard by Marriott. So yes, branded content with ads works really well together. And it also sounds like an interesting opportunity for brand marketers to reach two generations of consumers. You obviously have the parents, but you have the kids at the same time. Is the content in the newsletter designed for both or how do you handle the balance of parents versus kids, or is it and or or, or is it marketing to families? Like, what does that look like? And how do you talk to brands about that approach? 
Yeah, well, the brands seem to be excited about this to, you know, being able to appeal to two generations. And I really love that because if you think of Athleta, you know, fitness where when moms start wearing Athleta, you know that their daughters are going to want to wear that, right? So the way we handle it is our newsletter only goes out to adults. It does not go out to any of the kids. However, our app is used by adults and kids, and we are very COPA compliant, you know, compliant with child privacy laws there. But we want kids to be on this platform and be communicating with their teammates and their coaches. So the newsletter is totally appealing to the adults, the ones who make the buying decisions in the household. But we do have kids on our software platform, on our app, but we are extremely careful about how we handle them and their data. Have you combined both platforms, the, the the online platform, the app, and then the newsletter for brands? And if so, what does that look like? Uh, so this is, we're at a critical moment right now where brands are asking to be in our app. And I have to tell you, as someone I find it disruptive when I'm going into an app, whether it's my weather app or I'm looking for, you know, what time a show is going to be available on, on TV or on streaming. Like if I'm mission driven in that app, I'm not going to be clicking on ads. And so I've kind of held firm that I don't think putting um, ads into our app is a good idea. I think putting it in, putting ads in our newsletter where they are contextually relevant will really drive our audience to respond. I don't think that they would respond really well if they're going into the app to see how their kid did a practice today or look at a player evaluation that coach just completed for their child. And then there's an ad there for, for a hotel company. So I've, I've not put ads yet into the app. Well, good for you for holding true to the purpose and the mission. And I'd love to talk for a minute <clears throat> about disruption. And I'd love to know your opinion. I've I've long wondered why everyone in, in the marketing ecosystem uses the word dis disrupt, because I don't know about you, but I don't like being disrupted, whether, whether I'm in a conversation, whether I'm talking to my wife or my kids or anything I'm doing, disrupt by its very root core word is a negative. So why can't we start talking about adding value to people's experiences? And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. You're keeping pure in a sense, you sports, but you're keeping pure the app and then you're offering value through this newsletter and content and then aligning brands who have the same mission. So kudos to you for recognizing that. And maybe that was less of a conversation topic and a, and a riff for me, but I don't know if you feel, it sounds like you feel the same way when it comes to disrupting versus adding value. Well, look, I think disrupting industries is interesting. Like if you're going to suddenly allow me to buy a car directly from the manufacturer without having to go into a car dealer, and that disrupts the industry and gives me a better deal, more direct access to the products I want, that's interesting, but disrupting a user experience <laughs> is miserable. It's the last thing that I want to do. Right? I wonder if that's where people have been confused because that's a great point. Disrupting industries and spaces and marketplaces, it can be a positive as opposed yes. to disrupting people's experiences. Yeah. And the things that the experiences they're comfortable with, right? right? 
Let's talk for a minute about what's next for iSport 360. I mean, clearly you have so much ahead of you. What are you most excited about to come in the future? And and maybe part of that is the newsletter, which sounds like it's just growing at an exponential rate. But are there other things that, that you're really excited about, about what's to come? Yeah, so it's it is a very exciting time and I think talking to world-class brands about advertising in our newsletter is is definitely this is a critical time and an exciting time for us. So being able to reach out to an Avis or an Annie's Organic or Prime Sports Hydration and have them be really interested in what we can do together that's been pretty amazing. So that's where we're going to be spending. I mean, the next three to six months are critical there. I also, I'm going to continue doing syndication partnerships because I want this to become the biggest newsletter in youth sports. And at 10 million, we may already be, but why not continue to grow it if there's an opportunity here? Um, But the other thing I would just mention, Mark, is like the the word newsletter, uh, we use the word newsletter and I have some people who have suggested to me the word newsletter is is old or it's it's out of style, um, but there's really not that many newsletters and not that many successful ones. And I feel like if we have a successful newsletter, it doesn't matter if it's an old word or it's out of style. I feel like it's getting content to the exact right person in a trackable way. We know how they're responding. We know what they're clicking on. I'm wondering if you have any, you know, any thoughts on that topic too, because we're trying to expand this newsletter, but I also want to make sure that newsletters are working and newsletters are cool and people are excited about newsletters. Especially since I'm sure it's an opt-in, people can call it whatever they want, but success is the proof point here with 10 million subscribers. So it sounds like 10 million folks are, are okay with the term newsletter, maybe down the road, they'll call it something new. But I think we often times can overthink things and try to freshen things up by giving it a new term when it's kind of the same old thing. Yeah. Great point. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago about being FTC and COPA compliant. Now I'm curious to know how you've approached that and how often it comes up with brands. Cause it seems as though I've been surprised how few brands, they may be aware of it, but when it comes to the legal compliance, there seems to be some, some confusion and maybe rightfully so, because I know that the COPA 2.0, you know, the Senate commerce committee just recently have passed legislature that I don't think is yet to be officially passed yet, but would completely restrict marketing to kids under 16 years old, I believe it is, it was originally 13, regardless Mm -hmm. of parental consent. I mean, this is a game changer in many ways. I'm curious to know what your experience has been and what those conversations look like as you're talking to some of these large brands you mentioned. When we created our digital platform, we were operating under COPA 1.0, which as you mentioned, means that you know, children under 13 have to get their parents' permission to be on your platform. Uh, I'm extremely resentful of the fact that the major social media companies, uh, namely Snapchat, Instagram, do not have a good way of making sure that kids on their platform are 13. And we know that there are lots and millions of 10, 11, 12-year-olds 
that are on those platforms without their parents' permission. When we created our platform, uh, Mark, we really wanted kids on sports teams to be able to communicate with their teammates and their coaches. As long as their parents could see every bit of that communication, we felt it was good for kids, even eight-year-olds, even 10-year-olds to get feedback directly from the coach without having it filter through their parents. So we knew from the get-go that our platform was going to be different. It was going to have to require parental consent. So on our platform, parents must give consent explicitly for their child to be present. And the only way that a child can get into like their team locker room on iSport 360 is by having their parents and the coach give consent. So there's no outsiders coming in. There's no stalkers, no strangers. This thing is airtight. So that's how important COPA is to us. And we will continue to be that way. And I hope when we're working with brands, even if they're not high tech or super digital brands, I want them to know we are leading the industry in COPA compliance. So it sounds like it's essentially a gated youth sports community for specific teams. Is that fair to say? And then obviously Correct. multiple teams, hundreds, if not thousands of teams within that. Correct. And it's a conservative approach. The alternative would be let kids invite all their friends onto this platform and let the kids set up their own teams. But there's just too much at risk there. So we have created, use your words, a gated community for each team. Let's end as we started with your family. You, you talked about being a sports family. What other activities or experiences do you and the kids and, and your family enjoy together? One of the things we're doing this summer, which I encourage every sports family to do, is to take a minute and just power down. I mean, almost every sport these days is a 12-month commitment, but I really think Summer is a good time to power down a little bit and maybe not participate in a league or maybe just let your kids try some other new sports or new activities. So we're that's what we're doing this summer, but the fall will be exciting. I have a daughter who is heading off to college and that's a bit of a change in our household. It will also be the first year in 14 years that I'm not coaching her. I will, I'll miss that a bit, but I will be coaching my other daughter and travel soccer. So that'll be fun. Well, I'm sure you'll get some calls home from college and you'll be coaching her in a different way. Uh, coaching yeah, that's life, I for guess, sure. So. Yeah. Life yeah. skills are, are, are probably more important than the athletic skills. That's great. Well, Ian, thank you so much for joining me. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you for listening in to this episode of Family First, the wild world of marketing to parents.